Happy Sunday, Return Church family and friends. I'm Pastor Chad Hayes. Thank you so much for tuning in to our Sunday morning live stream. I know you're eager to get back to church just like I am. In fact, I'm eager to do a lot of things. I'm eager to get this haircut. I'm eager to eat at some of my favorite restaurants. But I am. I'm, I'm eager to get back to return. And I've got an announcement to make on next Sunday, May the 17th. We're going to be back at return worshiping at our normal 11 a.m. time. And so I want to invite all of you to come out. We're making great preparations for this, and I want you to join with us to be in prayer about this, to pray that God gives us faith, and we go back strong, and that we have a strong return back to worship. It's exciting. Rachel and I and our family were actually planning to be there, and the team there at Return making lots of preparations to be ready. Listen, we're doing everything that we can. We're going to take all precautions, and we want you to take precautions as well, but we're going to make sure that the building is prepared, that our team is prepared, and we're ready to be safe and to keep our people protected. And so we're going to be posting throughout the week some notifications, some videos. So I would encourage you before you come to church on Sunday, check those out. Get online on our Facebook page and you'll be able to access that information on our website as well. And just find out what you need to do in preparation as we get ready to come back to worship. We're coming back in faith, but we're also coming back with wisdom. And we're going to make sure that uh, everybody is healthy and that we're protecting the most vulnerable amongst us during this time as uh, we, we come back together. Let's just pray. Let's pray that God would cover our church. Let's pray that God would halt this virus and that our nation would get back to life and back to living and moving again. Again, we can't wait to be with you. Look forward to next weekend. And today, I just pray that you would enjoy this live stream broadcast. God bless each and every one of you. Atmosphere is changed, nothing stays the same. Heaven is awaiting for the mention of your name. The spirit is moving, burning like a flame, healing the broken by the one that we proclaim. Lips will make the sound 
Return Church. It's such a privilege to speak to you this morning. I was so looking forward to being with you and flying on that airplane. I was all excited. I even got all my little travel supplies to go. And But you know what? I, I thought, you know what? The will of God be done. The will of God be done. And I often think sometimes that uh, when I fuss on things, when I want things to go my way, it, it just doesn't work it out at all. But sometimes when I've just surrendered 
my uh, desires to God, he works something out so much more beautiful. And uh, so anyway, I'm trusting him and I'm trusting you are well. And uh, we're looking forward to being with you. We're going to be with you next Sunday, um, as my husband was saying in the announcement earlier on. We get to be with you. I want to bring a word to you that hopefully encourages you. So men, don't disappear on me just because it's Mother's Day. Um, but you know, Mother's Day is a special day. It's honoring you hardworking mothers. So I honor you today as you hardworking mothers. You know, God's giving you, um, the Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord. And you're probably like, thanks, Rachel, for that enlightenment. But really, your children have been given to you. Um, the Lord spoke to me about my children, that the Lord wanted to disciple me through my children. And I thought, Lord, I thought I was the one that was to disciple them. And yes, I am. But God has used them in my life. And the Lord said, if you just hang tight, I'll develop leadership in you. I'll develop patience. I'll develop kindness and integrity. How many of you know that your kids are so always smack on and calling you out when you're doing, when you're not getting it right or something? You know, you, you gain weight. My kids are hilarious. If I gain that weight, you know, they're like, mom, your jeans are a little more tight. You know, they're faithful to all that. And uh, so my kids have been brought into my life to disciple me. They, they have taught me so much to operate with integrity in my own home. It, it, God's used that so powerfully and I'm so grateful for that but happy Mother's Day to you you know I think about David in the Bible he was discipled in a place of solitude he was discipled behind the scenes. It wasn't a public event. And I, I was thinking about how David would go to the stronghold. He was in the sheepfold, uh, um, the sheepfold. And when he was in these places of solitude, that's where God had done his finest work of discipleship. Um, I, I was thinking the other day about David with the Israelites. Um, he was out there taking their snacks or, or supplies, uh, whatever it may be. And he was heading up to the front. And when he got there, the Israelites were complaining and they were grumbling. And they were, they were sitting there in, in fear that we, we cannot defeat this enemy, the Philistine, the, the Goliath. They could not come against him. They didn't have the courage. But I often think that God in his wisdom kept David back in that sheepfold training him to fight bears and lions and defending the sheep in that place of solitude. And God, for a specific time, David, you're not going to go with the Israelites because if you go with the Israelites, you might end up thinking like the Israelites. But I believe God had a special plan for David. He said, you know what, David, I'm going to take you and I'm going to actually through you, I'm going to confront the enemy. And so don't get worried when God holds you back or, or you don't get to be involved in certain things or, or the plan didn't work out. Does it want, you don't know what God is protecting you from. God in his mercy, God in his gracious way. And he, he bring you before something that will hit something so straight on the mark that will bring the work of the enemy down. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting time to be alive today. God is building, raising up an army, raising up soldiers. We're after sheep, we're, we're called, declared soldiers after the book of Acts. And it's a privilege to follow the king. I want to um, title this today, It's Not in Vain. It's not in vain to serve the Lord. I wrote a song about it's not in vain to serve the Lord um, a few years ago, um, actually going on probably about 10 or 12 years ago, not in vain to serve the Lord because sometimes the journey can be wearing and God in his, by his gracious nature would come and remind me of the promises that he had given me. And I was, um, the people that God chose, he chose to do his work were Galileans. They were the low class of society. 
Um, I think about uh, Peter in the Bible. I, I did a study on Peter a few years ago and I began to study his life. And I, I love action. I love action movies. Um, I can't get to watch because there's not many, many appropriate. But when I find a good one, I usually enjoy action movies. And I thought about Peter. And when I got to study his life, I remember sitting there opening the book of the notes that I had. And as I began to read, I got two pages in. And I began to weep because I realized that I was Peter. We need Peter, the one that slept when he should have been praying. When he should have had faith to walk on water and we find him sinking. He was the one that had the nerve to rebuke Jesus. And all these failings, when Jesus first met him, his name was Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, he said, Simon, I'm going to give you a new name, Peter. You're no longer going to be a reed blowing in the wind, but you're going to be solid rock. I can just see Peter turning to his brother Andrew and saying, did he give you a new name? No, he gave me a new name. Feeling extra special. Jesus knew the bickering that went on constantly between those disciples. In fact, when the disciples were on a journey, uh, when they approached Jesus, Jesus asks them, what was the conversation all about? And they're awkward. They're, they're awkward there in his presence because they had been bickering about who was the closest to him. Who did they think that loved Jesus loved the most? And Jesus, Jesus found these men just mere clay, just clay just formed and they needed discipleship. But God saw the potential. God, Jesus saw the potential in him because he knew it was going to take his power and his authority. We got a mother like Salome. I think I'm a little bit like her, the mother of James and John. And when, when you think of this woman and her heart for her children, and she, I can just see her, hey, Jesus, in the excitement of it all, all the disciples coming together, in the excitement of all, she says to Jesus, Jesus, my sons, James and John, give them a place in your kingdom. And Jesus, I think in his tenderness of heart, turns to her and says, woman, you have no idea what you're asking for. Because you know what? Jesus knew that a place in his kingdom came in the form of a cup of suffering. It came in a form of a cup of suffering. And I want to talk to you today. I really want to pull on three characters in the Bible, three characters in the Bible that I want to take attention, pay attention to today. And they are Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. We all love the thought of God using us. We all love getting the promises of God. But you know what? Sometimes we can find ourselves grumbling and complaining about the journey. And if we do not go on the journey that God has for us, listen, what God has in store for you, if you don't allow him to adjust and shape your character, what he has in store for you will in fact destroy you. We can see it today. There are plenty of people they, that are to build and create these great environments seemingly with the eye. And the very thing ends up destroying them. And I believe it's this. It involves character. It's allowing the hand of the Lord to come into your life, to shape and fashion you and mold you into his likeness. And we as a people of God, we have got to allow that to happen. It's usually not a pleasant place. It's a place that seems unsure. It's an opportunity for us to speak the word of God. It's an opportunity for us to grow as a people of God, that we become a prophetic, declaring people, declaring the word of life, declaring the word of God, declaring power and authority. 
It's an exciting time, but I believe more than ever before that we, if we are going to succeed, if we're going to press on, if we are going to see a great harvest, we have to be a people that are prophetic people. And we're going to look into the lives of these three people that I am intrigued, I'm so interested in. What is it, first of all, what is it that causes, uh, that stirs up rather uh, a man and a woman to go into ruthless wandering, to go into say goodbye to their family, their home environment, everything that they knew to be comfortable, say goodbye to all that and embark on a journey. And I believe it was with this. It was with a promise. And I want to read to you Genesis 12 too. We're going to read this promise that God had given them. And it's a very exciting promise. I can imagine the excitement in the camp, the zeal in Abraham's voice, the unity between Abraham and Sarah, where let's do this, let's charge the mountain. She could have been a little bit like me, thinking, I got to pack a house. I'm packing a house right now, and I'm feeling that, but I'm a bit of a professional packer, so I have learned to do this, but, but um, she could have been a little bit like that, feeling a little overwhelmed with everything that was taking place, and the thought of saying goodbye. So let's look at this in Genesis 12, verse 2. I will make you a great nation. Let's pause right there. I will make you a great nation. Now that's not, we, we see on TV, we can see nations today. We get to see glimpse of masses of crowds of millions, all right? They didn't have all this back then. So this, this word coming to him is just, I can just see it as just, mind-blowing. He's going to get creative in his thinking. How on earth would that happen? Okay, they're used to living in their villages. Cities weren't as big as they were today as such. But I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Think about that. The defender, the, the commander in chief is on your side. He'll go to fight for you and he will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth, they shall be blessed. They shall be blessed. God goes on to talk about stars and sand with him. And even when the promise that God had given them, when they were feeling down, God in his, his beautiful nature would come and remind them of the promise. And listen, if you are going through anything today, listen, God will speak and remind you of his promises, but you've got to be willing to listen. You've got to be, like the psalmist said, he said, the voice of the good shepherd I know, and the voice of the stranger I will not listen to. You've got to be intentional about the things of God. Don't be whimsical. Don't be a wishful thinker. But one thing that happens to God's promises in his word, the promises of God in your life, God does something with them. And it's found in Psalm chapter 12 and verse 6. And the Bible tells us that the word of God is tried. I'm going to read it to you. The words of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. Several times the word of God is tried. It's tried. And it's not for God to know where you're at. He knows exactly where you're at. I believe it's for us to know where we are. Well, whose strength do we stand in? Whose strength do you operate in? Do you rely on your charisma or your, 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 your sassy attitude as such? Do you rely on these things? Are you dependent? God, I need you. I need you. 
and you're in his presence. And so that gives you boldness. Like David had boldness from the sheepfold. He was at, that's where I believe David was able to go before Goliath because he knew what it was to be in the presence of God. He had proven God. He had walked out, God, you were with me. I believe the word of God came out of his mouth as he encountered the bear, as he encountered the lion, and as he encountered Goliath. God was with him. And the word of God was tried over and over. You know what happens to that word when it's tried over and over? It develops strength. And you want confidence as a believer. You want confidence to move forward. God's given you that dream, that desire, that whatever it may be for your calling specifically for you. God wants to strengthen the foundation of that so you're not sinking in water. You're not, you're not got that attitude that, that, uh, that is in opposition to God, is, is lacking in faith. God wants to strengthen, and that's what he said to Peter, you know, Simon, I, I want to strength, I want to be, I want to be, empower you. That's what he said to the disciples. He said, I'm sending you out with power and authority. And God wants to send you out with power and authority. So when you speak, things happen. But you first got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then you can stand and say, I can do all things through Christ. That word through means the will of God. I've sought God, I've sought his king, I've sought him, what he says about it, and therefore I can stand and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, don't be asking God for provision when you have first not sought him. You can't expect the provision of God to be there if you have first not sought the kingdom of God. You have to seek him first. And then you can stand at that business proposition. You can stand at that relationship. You can stand in front of your health and you can say, you know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let the sovereign will of the great I am be done on earth as it is in heaven. You speak with power and authority and you see it happen. Why? Because you've got the mind of Christ. You're a carrier of his presence. You've put on the full armor of God. And God will show up. But these people that were about to, Abraham and Sarah were about to embark on this journey. And it was the promise. The first one is the promise. You come with zeal and excitement. When we started the church in San Marcos, oh my goodness, it was a journey. I tell you what, we had, Chad had come out of a pretty big church. It was recognized, I guess you'd call it a mega church. Chad had been raised in that environment. I came from lovely Wales. I was born in Scotland, Edinburgh. Um, and I grew up most of my life in Wales, moved to London, back to Wales. And when we're in Wales, we have, we have our churches there. And, you know, most average church, probably 100, 150. Um, and then you've got bigger, you know, we do have bigger churches as such, but not really quite like American churches. And Chad had heard, had heard from the Lord that he was the pastor in San Marcos. Now, I went to San Marcos with him, of course. We were married. We'd had Noah. Nathan was already on the way. Um, I was looking pretty hefty, uh, feeling pretty hefty, carrying him. And, and we'd started the, the church there. And before long, we had been given promises from the Lord. Uh, we were sent out to the church that Chad had been raised in. And the talk was, I'd heard it numerous times, if anybody's going to succeed at doing this church stuff, is Chad and Rachel Hayes. And I thought, wow, what an encouragement. What an encouragement, you know. And the word of the Lord would come, you know. And you're going to be a mother of many, Rachel. And all these promises to Chad, you know, and, and about buildings and all this kind of stuff. And it was fantastic. So we started the church in St. Marcus and we're all ready to go. We had it in our home. 
and people started to come, you know, people came, people left, people came, people left. And you kind of get tired of that yo-yoing. You're like, God, I, I want, you know, we had quite a few college students, newly saved, but we knew we needed mature people. And so we started it. And I promise you, I, uh, I, I'll never forget it. I, I just, I remember giving birth to Nathan and it was, uh, I gave birth on a Saturday and the Sunday morning, Chad was up preaching. Now Chad would wear his suit on a Sunday morning in our house, right? In the living room, he'd have his suit on, decked out. I'd wear my best of whatever I had, you know, and I'd be there singing my heart out and, and we'd be going for every, every weekend. So I'd give birth on a Saturday, I'm in the hospital and Chad had said, when we, if we have boys, before we had had boys, he said, I want all the boys circumcised. And I said, and I said, why would you inflict pain upon a baby that's not necessary? And he's like, I know, I know it's an American tradition. He said, but trust me, later on down in life, um, it's, it's a better thing for them. I was, I was turned by it. Well, when I found out I was having a baby boy, I was really carrying it. And then that morning of Sunday morning, I, I was in the hospital bed and the nurse came in and said, we're ready to take the baby away to be circumcised. And I thought, no way am I going through this on my own. Because Chad was at the house having church, preaching his heart out, and I was on my own in the hospital. So I called my mother and I said, my mother was there. She'd flown over from the UK to help me for a couple of weeks. And she's there and I said, ma'am, I said, I said, where's Chad? And she said, oh, my love, she said, if you know my mother, she's Scottish, okay? My love, she said, I, I, uh, he's still speaking. And I said, well, when's he gonna be done? And, and, and she said, I, I don't know, she said, you know, I have no idea. So I put that, we hung up. I'm sitting there, the doctors still hadn't, nurses hadn't come in for my, uh, Nathan it was, and uh, they still hadn't come in and I'm sitting there. So I'm getting antsy, okay? I want Chad here, you know, cause I, I don't want to sign for him to have it because this is Chad's idea. You know, I'm sitting there getting a little feisty. And I, <laughs> I remember calling my mother back and I said, mom, I said, what's he doing now? Oh, he's still speaking, darling. He said, just, just hang in there, you know? And uh, I put the phone down to her and I called her back and I said, mom, I said, what's he doing now? I mean, the guy would preach. It was 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, pushing an hour. I said, well, what's he doing now? And he said, she's, she's like, he's still speaking. I said, mom, I got a BB gun in our bedroom. Just take it and aim and fire. You know, I was done. I was, I had tears running on my face. My baby, they're going to inflict pain on my baby. I just couldn't handle it. You know, just all the hormones running everywhere and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that, that Chad eventually came, he's like, it's all good, you know, the baby was fine, you know, recovered beautifully well. And we had people come into our house and we were at that stage where we were having as many children, as many adults coming. So Nathan was two weeks old. I remember sitting in the box room. We had a little room. It was uh, Noah's new bedroom. We give Nathan the other one. It was a little bigger for the nursery. So Noah had this, it was a bed. And then I put Nathan behind me and Nathan was just sitting there. <laughs> And he, um, I had 16 children around me in this little box room. I had a paraplegic in the middle, and then I had all little toddlers 
14 of them, 13 of them. Uh, then I put Nathan behind me to protect him. And I would say the story. So I'm in there, 15 minutes have gone by. Children's stories, you children workers. I was in children's ministry for years and years and years. I get it, okay? So I'm sitting there and I give him the story. I've got a bag of candy to, you know, uh, bribe him with, you know, to do whatever it took to work, you know? And Chad's out there preaching his lungs out. And then he's almost, it's almost an hour again. And I'm looking through the, the door. I'm actually looking through the door, like giving him eyes, like help. I'm stuck in this room with 16 children. And, and all these things began to happen and, and we began to experience the goodness of God and then hardships started to come. We'd be, you know, financially really dependent on the Lord. The Lord told me to feed everybody every weekend and cook. I'm not a brilliant cook. I can clean. I, that's my ministry. But cooking, I would struggle to think for me and Chad, yet alone multitudes of people. And God, and God began to challenge me. I want you to start ministering. I want you to start preparing food for them. And I'd start to cook for them. And uh, things weren't as glamorous as I thought they should be. I, I kept thinking, God, where's our building? Where's our... And before I realized it, I had stepped into phase two. First one was the promise was given and phase two had crept in faster than I had ever realized it was happening. And phase two is this, the promise that God had given to Sarah that you were going to be used in such a powerful and a dynamic way in the zeal and the excitement of talking about stars and sand and, and the blessing and God has been your defense. We now have a woman that has gone past her, her cycles, has gone past the childbearing stage and she's gone into menopause. The problem with the second phase is this, when you don't see the promises of God coming to pass, you can sometimes look for substitutes. Now I think about the woman Hagar. It was Sarah's servant. I think about that. Sometimes we often think Hagar, the woman, you know? But I began to think about her and I began to think, I began to feel just, just uh, sadness for her, just compassion for her. This woman who had agreed to come with Abraham and Sarah is in an environment where she's probably not close to home. She's in an environment where she can't just exactly quit her job and go somewhere else. It wasn't like that like it is today. She had to stay faithful to that, to that job because where else was she going to go? And Sarah comes to her and says, Hagar, I want you to go and I want you to go have relations with my husband. And if she was a woman of integrity, she'd be like, oh, no, you know, that's just, no, you know, that's just not going to happen. And Sarah said, you will, you will go and have relations with my husband. She talks Abraham into it. And, and the story is that they end up having a relationship and they end up, she becomes pregnant with a son called Ishmael. And the beautiful thing about Hagar's story is that Sarah, when she, the promise did come and Sarah, the Bible tells us that Sarah became irritated with Hagar and Ishmael. And she wanted Abraham to send them away. And that's exactly what happened. Hagar and her son were sent away and they ended up going to a place of just great wandering in the wilderness. And Hagar held her child, held her baby. And she was so broken that she took her baby and placed the child underneath the tree. 
And she went, and the Bible says that she went away from the child because she could not bear the child crying, knowing the child was going to die. It's an intense story. But you know what? The faithfulness of God. He comes and he ministers to her and speaks to her and gives her a promise about her child and provides water in the wilderness. And you know what? Hagar gets up and she declares him, Elroy, the God who sees. Elroy, the God who sees. I tell you something, if you are faithful and stand steadfast and stand in the promises of God, and allow God to work on that character and allow God to, if you trust God, when we were in San Marcos at that season of our lives of starting the church and the financial pressures that we went under as a newly married couple, it got, it got pretty intense. I remember Chad going to, he was working both ends. He was working uh, on construction. He'd leave me about 4.35 o'clock in the morning He'd get it in this truck that had no AC. It's at 102 degrees out there. He had no AC. The guy would come back beetroot red. I used to call him my redneck, you know. I didn't know redneck meant something else. I thought redneck is because you had a redneck. Oh, I had to learn so many of the Texas ways. But he'd go to work at like 4.35 in the morning. He would work all day long in that heat. He'd come in. 15 minutes of showering and eating food. And then he would go straight to the church. Uh, we we got, managed to get a little building at, by, right by the train tracks. Uh, it was a little, little front store shop. And uh, we, he would go straight there to teach the people the word. And the guy would do that day in and day out. And our pennies that we had, we were paying for our rent of the home, which is where we started the church. And then we were paying for uh, putting money towards the building in tithes and offerings and you give more sacrificially when you, especially when you know there's needs there. And we were living on pennies and I remember Chad coming home and I said, no one needs milk. And uh, he went through all his suit jackets looking for money. He searched the couch and then he got in the car by faith. And I don't know how many times he did this, but he would go in the car and he would walk the parking lot of Walmart looking on the floor for pennies. And he'd come home with a, with a can of milk, just enough for Noah. I tell you what, I have story after story after the faithfulness of God. It was humbling. I didn't want to see my husband digging for money like that. I wanted him to have bountifully. I wanted him to be, I would pray and ask God for hairspray. I would ask God for essentials. I would be asking for the things I need. I, in my prayers, they were, and I, and I began to think, who does this? Who prays for their essentials for toothpaste, you know? Um, in their prayer time. And I thought, surely something God's not with it. I began to have feelings like that. And I began to look at Chad and think, you, you've got it wrong. Maybe you got it wrong. I often wondered, you know, if you notice in the Bible that when God spoke, he spoke to Abraham and he spoke to Hagar. But the word wasn't directly given to Sarah. And I wondered why, why is that happening? And I believe it was I believe it was this, like God spoke to me. I said, God, you spoke to Chad about moving to San Marcos and doing this work, but you never, you've never spoke to me. I have asked you over and over to speak to me. And the Lord began to speak to me. And he said, the reason why I did not speak to you is because I want you to trust what I have told your husband. I want you to begin to walk in unity together. 
I want you to walk together with likeness of mine, in one spirit. And God was teaching me these things. But I had a dream one night in, in St. Marcus. And it was a very, very clear dream. It was very specific to the season that I was in. And the Lord spoke to me. And in this dream, I'm in a field. Now in Wales, we have, when we build hedges, some of them are built to stone. Have you already seen those in like Ireland or Wales or Scotland, you know, Celtic kind of thing. You'd see the stones, beautiful, beautiful little fencing as such. Um, but this one was the bush fencing. And we have those in our country. And in my dream, I am on a little ladder and I'm looking over the fence like this. And I am in the dream, I'm just looking over into the field next door. And when I'm looking into the field next door, the Lord speaks to me and he says a, a very clear word to me. He said, Rachel, if you don't stop looking into the field next door to yours, you will never know what I'm doing in yours. You will have no idea what I am doing in your field. You know what comparison? I was, what I was looking at was this. How come that church is succeeding? That church, they seem, look at how easy ministry's been for them. Look how easy it was for them to go and, you know, that start that business. And their marriage seems so sweet all the time, you know. And we were doing everything I knew possible to do. And the Lord said, comparison is going to destroy you. He said, I want you to get out of looking into other people's field. And I want you to turn and, and you will see what I am doing in yours. Tell you the truth. I would fail to recognize the hand of God moving in my life. I failed to recognize it. And God was gracious to me and he's slow to anger and he's rich in love. He began to teach me when we moved on, we moved past of seven years. It was seven years of roller coaster of, of hardship, of great intimate times of worship. And then it felt like you go back into hardship again. And, and it was be, begin to wear us. And I said, God, what are you doing? What is it I have failed to recognize? And the Lord said to me this. He said, for the last seven years, Rachel, it has been nothing about building a, a big church, building a successful business, um, you know, being in the building and, and all these things. It has all been about me developing the leaders that I wanted you to be for what is ahead. It wasn't about the whole band. It wasn't a whole, about the whole, you know, the choir sound and the, the congregation and, you know, people looking and saying, gosh, God is there, you know, and, and you know, people flocking to that. And, and God said it was nothing to do with that. I, was, I have been developing the leaders that I wanted you to be. And God had to take thing, ideas out of me. And I think Chad would probably, um, you know, testify to this as well. God began to deal with us and what was him and what was not of him. What was man-made and what was, what was his sovereign will. And I tell you something, my whole attitude began to change. And I said, God, make me a soldier in the kingdom of God. I don't want to be a sheep anymore. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be tossed to and fro. I want to be solid. I, I want you to do that work in me. And I said, Lord, the Holy Spirit, I want you to help me to yield to your sovereign plan. And God began to do a beautiful work in my life. Am I perfect to this day? No, don't ask Chad. None of your business. But God has been doing a great work in me. And he's still doing a great work in me. He's still bringing the chisel. He still brings that place to shape and fashion me because I'm his servant. And I'm, I'm on the, the potter's wheel being molded and shaped into his likeness. 
I tell you something, after those seven years, we saw God do some great things. We, were, we merged two churches together. I had, I had that musician band that I'd always dreamt of. The singers came. We had some great times in the Lord. But I tell you what, God never hid that chisel and hammer. He kept going away at my heart in all those seasons. Why? Because I'm his child. And he's teaching me his ways. So when the trouble comes in phase two, when God brings and he brings and he tries that word, it's um, that word, that word from Psalm 12 and verse uh, six, that, that, that scripture right there um, is talking about the silversmith placing that, that lump of metal um, to be formed as it goes into the fire, it's able to be shaped and fashioned. When we were in Wales as a child on the weekend, um, my parents would love to take us to craft shows. We'd go to museums, craft shows, um, and these craft shows were pretty cool because they'd be in like a farm environment. We'd have to wear our Wellington boots. You call them uh, rain boots, I think. Um, we would put our Wellington boots on because with the mud, you know, and we'd go to these places. And in the first shed, you'd have like candle makers. And the candle makers were there doing very ornate candles. They're very fashionable today. You know, we have this straight, you know, white ones, whatever. And these, these people had such gifts and talents and they would just make these ornate candles. In the next one, you'd have like glass bone. We wanted to go to the place where the glass was being blown or the, the metal was being molded because it usually was warmer and we were freezing cold. So we'd say goodbye to the candle maker and go to the next stall. When we went to the place where this, the, the metal workers were there, um, the, the guy had a piece of steel and he was placing it in the fire and somebody asked a question. And they said, how, how do you know when you've left the metal in long enough? And he said, when I have placed it in the fire and I pull it out and what I am looking for is my reflection. And when I can't see my reflection, I put it back in the fire and I bring it up. And the minute I see my reflection, it is done. Because if I leave it in there a second too late, I will have ruined the metal and it is good for nothing. Listen, so it is with Christ. He's looking to see his reflection in us, in you. And I tell you something, he will not leave you in that place to destroy you. God is a good God. He is an all-knowing God. He knows what you can handle. So do you know what your position is? It's a position of worship. It's a position of rejoicing. I tell you what, Jesus is with you. He is not absent. He is with you right now, wherever you are at. Just believe it. Just believe it. And if you're struggling with that, be real with God. Say, God, I struggle to believe that you're with me. I struggle. I said that to the Lord. In fact, it was only like last year. I said to the Lord, Lord, I want to experience the love of, a fa of the Father. And you say, that's a bit of an ungracious prayer to pray. He went to Calvary for you, died for you. But I said, Lord, I often only see you in the light of, of, um, of rebuke, telling me I'm wrong of harshness. I said, I want to know the, I said, show me the love of the father, the tenderness of God. And God has beautifully shown me. And you know what, to tell you the truth, he has been that over and over and over, but I really chose to only see the things that I did wrong and the condemnation that I placed myself in and the way I felt about myself. I thought, surely there must be God too. Tell you what, he's a good, good father. He's slow to anger. 
and he's rich in love. Listen, if you stand faithful, if you stand on the promises, keep your heart right before him with clean hands and a pure heart, you'll get to see stage three, the third stage. And the Bible says this, that Abraham died satisfied. What a declaration that he was satisfied. He was satisfied. It was the promise that had come to pass. The promise that he had been waiting for had come to pass. And God is faithful. He experienced God as El Shaddai. He experienced God in such an intimate way. He speaks of God as El Shaddai, meaning God Almighty. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 11, I love this scripture so much. And the Bible says that Sarah said, I judge you faithful. God wants to hear those words from you, daughter of Zion. God wants to hear those words from you, mighty man of valor, that you judge the sovereign great I am faithful because that's what he is and that's what he wants to be to you. So I tell you what, that the sovereign great I am, the good shepherd, the lover of your soul, release it to him. Everything that you're carrying, whatever season you're in right now, you might be in the first season. You've been given the promise and there's excitement. You might be going through the second season where the word of God is tried. You don't need a substitute. You do not need a Hagar in your life. Or you might be at the third where you could look back and say, you know what? I am satisfied and I judge my God faithful. Whatever stage you're at, God is molding and making you into his likeness. You need to be patient. You need to be patient because the sovereign will of God will be done. Allow him to shape and fashion that character in you so that when you do see the promise, your character is able to hold it. You're able to withstand with what God has for you. You are the right woman for the job. You are the right man for the job. You do not even need Hagar. It is not in vain to serve the Lord. I want to pray with you right now. I want to pray with you that God would strengthen your faith. Father, I pray for your people today. If you, need, if you have a need right now, I want you just to lift your hands in a position of receiving from God. You have a need today. I believe by faith that God is faithful to respond it may be a yes, it might be a go ahead, it might be a no, and it might be a wait. But I know either way that it is the, the right way to God is the right way for you. And there's the way to trust. So God, I come before you and I thank you for your faithfulness, God. You have been faithful. You have been faithful, God. You have been faithful over and over again. Over and over, God. I give you praise, all honor and glory, Jesus, for all that you've done, Father. And Lord, I pray for every person that is listening to me today, God. I pray, Lord, that their faith would not fail, God. The Father, I pray that they would stand, Lord, that they would, in every season, oh God, that whatever season they're in right now, Father, that you would strengthen them, that you would uphold them with your mighty right hand. Father, I pray, let the song of the Lord come forth. Let the, the word of God be declared in their mouths. Let the prophetic arise in them. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that they begin to speak those things as though they were.
Father, any physical ailment. If anybody's needing new, new, uh, I'm just going to say it out, new kneecaps. So you got kneecap pain, you got hip pain, you got pain in your joints. You're, you're tired of the niggling pain and trying to move on. And I, 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 I just, I, I believe God wants to give you the faith to believe God for complete healing. Some of you have been asking God for things and you've gotten weary and you've kind of given up and you've just lived with it. And no, God wants you to press in. He wants you to push in. He wants you to push until something happens. Father, I pray, Lord, strengthen our faith today. Because it's not by might and it's not by power, but it is by the Spirit of the Lord. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon us and you have anointed us, O God. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I pray. In Jesus' name, I ask it. Thank you, Father. Thank you. That's all I can feel on the inside is just to say thank you. Don't you say that with me right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come on, begin to worship him right where you're at right now. Begin to worship. There's nobody there to watch you. There's nobody to watch you how good you are getting your praise on. There's nothing there for you right now. It's just you and Jesus. And it's time for you to be real. Take off the facade. Take off what's not, not, not of him. And you to be real before the king. You to be real before the living God. Bring it before your king right now. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness. Your love that endures forever from generation to generation. You are God. And we give you praise. We thank you, Lord, that it is not in vain to serve you. It is not in vain to serve the Lord. It is not a you are faithful to your promises. You are faithful to perform, Lord. You've asked us to stand. You've asked us to put on the armor. And you've called us to worship. Worship is our weapon. Worship is our weapon. And Father, I give you praise. I give you glory. For I do believe the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Oh
It must have been my 